Hey guys. What's up, Love Tribe? Thanks for tuning in to I Do Podcast, where we interview the world's leading relationship, marriage, dating, and self-help experts. Whether you're single, looking for love, dating, married for 30 years, or struggling to find that perfect someone, we are here to give you the tools to succeed. On today's show, we have Lori Itkin, also known as the Options Lady. She is a financial advisor, as well as a certified divorce financial analyst. So as a certified divorce financial analyst, she has seen countless couples going through probably their worst moments in their life, certainly in their marriages, and the financial issues that are surrounding that. So she has a lot of valuable information of how to prevent these struggles financially in a relationship and just communication in the broader sense, not just financially. So Sarah and I actually learned a few things in the episode, mainly being that she doesn't quite recommend our financial setup with having one single bank account. Yeah, I was really surprised when we were talking about that subject and she mentioned to have separate bank accounts versus one. So that kind of opened a dialogue for us to see, you know, whether or not we feel that we need to separate our accounts, but it's definitely something interesting and something to speak about with your partner going forward. Yeah, she actually strongly recommends having separate bank accounts and then a joint bank account. So uh, listen for her reasons why. There's a lot of important stuff in there and definitely made Sarah and I seriously consider sort of our financial setup. We uh, encourage you to analyze yours and use the advice that Lori has. Lori also talks about how you can have a tax date does not sound very sexy and I'm afraid it's not, but it is super important for a healthy and happy relationship when it comes to finances. She also talks about why it's super important to have transparency when it comes to expenses, how to set up a spousal IRA, how to get on the same page when it comes to money values, and a lot of other really valuable financial advice. Don't forget to stay tuned to the end of the episode. We're playing the song Sun King from the band The Hip Abduction from their album One Less Sound. We hope you guys are enjoying the tunes from The Hip Abduction. They're from our hometown of St. Pete, Florida. And let us know if you're liking their sound. We like them. We played them a couple times at our wedding, and we're friends with a couple guys in the band. So hope you're enjoying that, and we appreciate you listening to the show and supporting us. You can also support the podcast by shopping on Amazon using the link in our show notes description and our iTunes description as well. Amazon gives us a small percentage of everything you buy. It doesn't cost you any money and helps out the podcast. You can also do so on patreon.com forward slash I do podcast. You can donate as little as $2 a month and helps the podcast, helps cover our costs of getting the guests on, editing, maintaining everything, and keeping this rolling. 
Also, you can support us on audibletrial.com forward slash I do podcast. You get a free 30 day trial and you get a free audiobook download. So check that out. We appreciate you guys. Love Tribe. Enjoy the show. Hey, Lori, thanks for joining us today. Happy to be here, Sarah. We've given our listeners just a little overview about your work as a financial advisor. So why don't you take a minute, tell us about yourself and why you enjoy helping people improve their finances. Uh, Well, thanks for the question. You know, I started investing when I was 24 years old and I'm so eager and excited to help, um, you know, individuals in their 20s and 30s really cut through all the uh, overload of information and start making some good decisions. You know, it's so important when you're younger, even when it seems like you don't have much money to invest, but to start investing with your younger because it's going to give you so many options later in life if you want to change careers, if you want to make purchases that you've been saving for. It's going to help you just give you so many more options in life. And I just real feel really passionate about helping young individuals and couples start investing. Well, you are a certified divorce financial analyst. And that tells me that you know a thing or two about what causes divorce and and uh, definitely the financial issues involved. So let's kind of zero in on on marriages and finances and what the most common things that you see for divorce and the financial problems involved. Yeah, it's interesting. When couples are going through divorce, obviously finances are a very high high priority. It's it's usually a lot of issues dealing with the kids and parenting of the kids, but really it's it's all about the money when we get down to it. Uh it's all about, you know, how are we going to split our assets? How are we going to split our debts and what kind of child support will be paid and spousal support in some cases. And so I think you see a lot of the things that you could do during the marriage to get on the same side, same page financially with your partner can go a long way. Uh, I think the first thing is when you are maybe in a new relationship, maybe newly married to start with, or even before you get married, you really have to understand each other's money values. It's very rare that two people who are in love are on the same page about money. Someone's often the saver and someone's often the spender. And the worst situation is when you have two spenders, then you're in a lot of trouble, right? Um, and I think what I always say to couples, you know, we, we, many of us are getting married later in life. I was 39 when I got married. A lot of people are living with their partners before they get married. And we are used to having careers. And so the thought about just taking things that you've had separate, you know, you've been in charge of yourself financially as an adult. And now the thought of just throwing all that money together in one pot really causes a lot of financial anxiety. Um, how did you two do it in, in your marriage? Yeah, we, we combined right after 
probably right officially yeah. our officially, bank accounts yeah. yeah we had separate bank accounts until we got married um although we were kind of we were sharing we were expenses. sharing expenses at that time anyway but once we got married then we kind of just combined to one account well, very courageous, and I actually don't recommend that, but if it works for you, that's great. Well, that's that's good. That's why we have you on the show. So what, what do you recommend? I recommend having his, hers, and joint. So what I, what I like to tell couples is have an account where it's your money that you decide what you do with have an account where it's his money you know he decides what he does does with it but then for combined living expenses for the rent or the mortgage for the car insurance for the groceries for the child care all that is really a joint expense and so what i if if both parties are still working i realize that sometimes you know you may be one of you may be staying home taking care of the kids but if you're both working bringing an income then you need to decide what is the appropriate amount for each of you to contribute to the joint household expenses sometimes if if people have comparable incomes they'll do 50-50 Sometimes if one person makes more than the other, maybe the lower earning spouse contributes uh, 30% to the joint household. Whatever, whatever ratio you agree on is great, but the whole point is to not lose your individuality as you are living together and building a life together. I think that's very important, and I think that's a really good way to reduce conflicts about money. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really helpful especially for people like you said that that have two separate jobs and they're contributing to one account for their shared expenses. I think for us the reason why having two separate accounts may work is because we have a shared business and so basically all of our money for both of us go into one account and I think that may be what it works for us but I mean, would you recommend keeping it that way right now because it's working? Well, I think that's, you You make a good point. You're both in business together. So really, you share the income. You're equally earning the income. So I think you have a special case. But what about the case where you have, um, you might have a, a woman who's earning $100,000 a year and her husband's earning $60,000 a year. And let's say they have no children. Well, what's fair in that case? Should they split household expenses in half equally? Or should she be paying for more because she is a higher income? I don't have the right answer for that, but I think it's important for couples to discuss what works for them because if you're not on the same page, resentment will build up. What do you find like... Obviously, this is coming from your perspective of dealing with these divorces in the finance side. So are a lot of these people not having their separate bank accounts and then a joint bank account? Yeah, I mean, especially with people that are in their 50s and 60s getting divorced, they didn't have separate anything. I mean, unless it was a second marriage. But if we're looking at first marriages that are, you know, they've been married over 20 years, they've raised children together, more often than not, not always the case, and I'm not trying to be sexist here, but more often than not, um, the husband has been really in charge of the retirement savings and the investing. That's changing, obviously, as as women become the primary breadwinners more and more, but we see that. And then when they're getting divorced, 
um, the women are absolutely unprepared on how to invest the money that they that ends up being theirs in the settlement. Very feeling very overwhelmed, feeling very scared, and not knowing if she can survive on what she has. And so the answer to that is that while you're married, you both should be fully involved in the finances. You both should understand what's in your tax returns. Maybe you don't prepare them. You know, maybe one of you does TurboTax. Well, the other person should understand and, and really sit down and you should make a little date for 60 or 90 minutes and go over that tax return together. Um, if you have a 401k at work, you really should be sitting down with your spouse and so you're both on the same page financially about your income, expenses, assets, and debts. It doesn't mean the other partner is going to control the decisions you make, but you both should have full transparency. I cannot emphasize how important this is. Yeah, the the tax return date doesn't sound very sexy, but no, it's, it's, it doesn't. But it's important. Have a glass of wine, you know. <laughs> you look. I'm just. I I know this stuff sounds dreadful. No one wants to do it. But when I see divorcing couples fighting over money, when I see women accusing their husbands of hiding money, hiding assets. They're not hiding anything, but it's a lack of understanding. So one of the tools that couples can use, individuals should be using it. It's a free tool. I love it. It's called mint.com. Have you either of you heard of that? Yes. Okay. You may even use it. (laughs) (laughs) I do. Yeah. Yeah, but for those of the listeners who don't know, it's a it's an Intuit product, the same makers of TurboTax, and it's a free application, and you can link, uh, you know, your checking accounts, your credit cards, link everything, and you have a snapshot of where you are on any day. You can track and and have a budget. You can see when you're going over budget. The only downside is, of course, you're putting all this stuff to the cloud. So if you're paranoid about security breaches and stuff. I don't have an answer for you, but I do know that it's it's a very effective tool. It's and that either of you, you know, you can both like each of you can know where you all stand at any point in time. Yeah, absolutely. I love that resource. I use it for um, our finances right now. So I definitely recommend that to our listeners. Yeah, it's great. The first thing I thought of when you mentioned having separate accounts is the potential of having like um, it, what's the, what am I thinking of? Um, in, um, like not being honest, not telling your, your partner, you know, what you're spending. Um, so what do you recommend? Do you recommend that there's a certain budget for, let's say like, you know, fun allowances or spending among their own personal budgets or, is whatever is in their account and whatever is in the wife's or the husband's account is a spend free for all. So this is this is each couple needs to discuss it. How my husband and I worked it out very early on in our relationship is when we go out to dinner, it comes out of the joint account. We go on vacation, it comes out of the joint account. But when I go get my hair dyed or I go get you know a massage or I get my eyebrows waxed, that's coming out of my own personal account. And I don't expect to pay for his scotch, okay? You know, it's, his scotch is his own hobby. Uh, and we've just done it that way. And, you know, one day he came home in a shiny new Cadillac and I almost went crazy until I remembered <laughs> 
that's his own account, his right? I bought my car out of my account. He bought out of his account. And let me tell you, when it com- comes when it comes time to pay the car insurance, I never let him forget that we're not splitting the car insurance because his car it costs twice as much to insure than mine. <laughs> Again, we don't necessarily do it the right way. We, but we came to this conclusion by being fully transparent and discussing. Where, what are our hot buttons? You know, like, uh, what, what, you know, I don't want to have to monitor every time he buys the latest, uh, iPhone. All right. And he doesn't want to have to monitor anytime I buy new clothes or a purse. So we've just decided that those types of personal expenses are personal and we cover it. But we never shortchange the joint account. Believe me, when that joint account gets low, when we bo- it's a joint checking account, we both say, hey, we need to top this off or why did we spend so much on electricity last month? And we, we discuss those. I mean, most of your spending is joint, isn't it? Especially with you guys, you have a kid together, right? Most yeah. of it's joint. You're yeah. not, one of you is not going to buy diapers without using a joint account, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like the key is really that Whatever you work out, there's not necessarily one right or wrong way, but you got to communicate about it and be transparent. Is that absolutely, yeah. absolutely? No, uh, go ahead. What would uh, what would you say to someone that the spouse does not work, and and so it'd be hard. You know, they're not they don't have any income. How would you set up the accounts uh, in that case? Yeah, excellent, excellent question. Um, Common, common scenario. Well, probably, uh, okay, again, I'm going to generalize here. Let's say the it's the wife who's staying home, uh, uh, who's taken time out of the workforce to raise kids, although often we see men who've taken time out of the workforce to, ra- to raise kids. So it's not one gender or the other. But let's say um, what, I, what I tell um, wives who maybe they worked until they were 30 or 32 and now they have a child, well, they probably have a retirement account that they've set up. And here's something very interesting. A lot of people don't know this. There's something called a spousal IRA. So even let's say I'm a 32-year-old wife and let's say that I have no earned income of my own, but my husband is working. I can continue to actually make a $5,500 contribution to my IRA every year, my individual retirement plan, based on our joint household income. So if you, this is the number one thing, if you are going to take time, whether you're the male or the female, you're going to take time out of the workforce to raise kids, make sure you're putting $5,500 a year in that IRA, which is under your own name. The retirement accounts are not shared. He has a retirement account. She has a retirement account. They are labeled with one person's name. And and I I have to tell you, because you have to think long term, because let's say you end up getting divorced 20 years from now, you will at least each have a retirement account in your own names that nobody can take away from you. Um, And if you don't have this, what happens in a divorce situation when you split assets, you do have to split the retirement accounts often. So if, if... Sarah, let's say you have 30000 in an IRA and Chase, you have 60000 in an IRA. Chase, you may have to um, split some of that and give some of yours to her, depending on the state and how property is divided. But please don't let taking time out of the workforce 
take away your opportunity to contribute to your retirement plan. It's just going to build the assets for everybody. Yeah, that's a great specific piece of advice. Um, What would you sort of tell someone that is maybe struggling with the idea of of even talking about these things? Because I see this kind of coming up and, and then the the spouse is like, well, why do you need that? What's yours is mine and, and what is it? Mine is ours, mm-hmm, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all, we're all in this together, you know? <laughs> like, why do we need to talk about that? <laughs> that seems like it, it'd be a, a common, it's kind of like the cliche thing. Well, but so many people get prenups these days where these conversations happen. I tell people before you're getting married, whether or not you're going to have a prenup or not, because again, many people are very offended. They think, well, well, gee, you're not, we haven't, we're not even married yet, and you're already thinking about divorce. I mean, that talk about a real uh, romance dampener. But I tell people go through the exercise of a prenup before you get married, even if you've no intention of signing one, because you're going to exactly know what the net worth is of both of you, of the household. (laughs) So much distrust happens. We go back to this, the transparency thing. If you know that you're coming in with $70,000 worth of student loans, um, then, then you know where that is. You know what you have. You know what you don't have. But so many times people get married and they're shocked. One spouse has not really explained the, the credit card debt, hasn't explained the situation. And you know what? If your spouse has bad credit, you may end up getting bad credit too, depending on how that debt is managed. So it's very important. You know, I mean, you're getting naked with this person before you get married. Why would you not get get all the money issues on the table? Yeah. I mean, talk about intimacy. It's so important. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And yeah, so put those those sort of fears aside and and get out and open and don't say, oh, well, we love each other, so we shouldn't really have to talk about that because it, it doesn't have to be with the intention of like, oh, in case it doesn't work out. It can just be with we need to just do this responsibly and we need to be more intimate and know each other's finances just because it's important. And, and so even like you said, whether or not you sign it, you're going through that process, um, which is going to be important. Right. And you need to have discussions. If you decide to have children and somebody is going to look, you have two choices. Either you both work full time and you pay a lot of money for child care or one of you takes time off to from the workforce to raise a child or you maybe you're lucky and you have a grandmother. But I mean, there's no easy choice here. And you have to have the discussion. If I'm going to take myself out of the workforce to raise the child or the children, then there needs there's a value to that. And that needs to be expressed somehow in the marriage. And where I see this really bite people is, again, people get divorced. The woman was out of the workforce for five to 10 years She's not going to be, um, let's just be honest, her opportunity, she's, she's taken, she's, she's lost time advancing, right? So her salary is not going to be high for the same job as somebody who never took the time out. So when you take time off to raise a kid, you are sacrificing your, your, your paycheck really in the future, right? On, on, on your salary and, and your bonuses. And so, when you end up getting divorced, if you get divorced, then you it's so uneven because you've had a woman who's may not be able to get a good job in the workforce. Think about it. A, a 50-year-old woman 
you know, there's age discrimination. So there is a value to this. You have to have this kind of conversation. Maybe you have a post-nup. If you didn't have a prenup, maybe you say, well, now I'm taking time out of the workforce to raise the child. And if anything were to happen to this marriage, I want to know that I'm going to have, this is how we're going to divide assets. You should always have these conversations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, besides a joint uh, account, what is what do you find is the most common reason couples will struggle with money in their relationship? Uh, values, differing values. Money values. You have a child. You have a one-year-old. You, you know, you might want to start talking about a five twenty-nine college savings plan. Maybe you assume that your child will go to college. Maybe your partner thinks, well, not necessarily. Maybe you want to, look, there's only a finite amount of money. We don't have endless money. So you need, and your partner need to decide, are we going to save for our child's college? Are we going to save for our retirement? Are we going to rent in a small place to save so we can buy a house later? I mean, gosh, it's hard enough figuring out what you want yourself and then to (laughs) try to figure out what you as a couple want your goals, you, every year you should be just touching base with each other. And if this is too painful and difficult for you to do, you know, go to a couple's counselor and just say, hey, we want to make sure we're on the same page about money and, and get some help that way. You have to respect each other's values. They're not going to be the same. So if one person gets enjoyment spending and the other person doesn't get anxiety when the other person's spending, you need to work it out. You need to understand each other's feelings. Yeah, it's so important and getting that out in the open. And we had uh, Scott and Bethany Palmer that also they call themselves the money couple on and they that was their their big thing is understanding your money personality. Like you said, if you're a spender, if you're a saver, and then and then communicating that with your partner so you can understand another word like you said is is your values. Yeah, I'll give you an example. So I manage money, you know, for people as a financial advisor and I have um a client she wanted me to manage her IRA, her individual retirement account, which she had, you know, was a 401k when she was in the workforce. She's now raising a child. But so she had built up a good, good, a good chunk of change in that. And when she left her employer, she rolled it from a 401k into an IRA. So either she can manage it or a financial advisor can manage it. She wanted a financial advisor who would take a sort of um, a balanced, would take another strategy because she knows her husband only invests in risky biotech stocks. And he's spending, you know, his his retirement money on risky biotech stocks. And these, you know, these stocks can go up 30% in a day or they can drop 30% in a day. And so in that case, because she really wasn't able to change his mind about his investing strategy, which she felt was putting them at risk. She decided to say, well, this individual retirement account is my name, and so I'm going to have Laurie manage it in a balanced, diversified way because that makes me feel more secure. So that's one of the solutions. You know, when you have differing investing um, philosophies, again, if you each have a separate account that you have some control over, you can actually do something that gives you financial relief, you know, relief from anxiety without mandating or controlling the other person's. So that's why I like separate accounts and a joint account. I really like that model a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's great advice. And that'll give the 
both partners the freedom to do like you said have a have a separate investment portfolio or or just separate money to spend on the things that maybe their partner doesn't approve of but that's not their problem you know it's like this is my account and this is my money right. and then you're going right. to avoid a lot of a lot of fights yeah and often a lot of couples will just have um a a money amount where if 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 the purchase is under $200 or under $500 whatever's right for you you don't you don't ask permission for it but if it's over that amount i mean my husband knows exactly if he's going to spend i mean it's for us if he's going to spend more than $200 out of the joint account he better and i see it spent he better come home and say, I was at Ace Hardware and this is what I bought. We need new air filters for the house because he knows I'm going to be all on him if I don't know what he's spending this money on. <laughs> Whereas most people probably just ignore it, right? Because that's my money type. I, ha- you know, I want to know what's going on all the time. But most people probably don't even look and they wouldn't even notice. Um, so that's our deal. You know, When he came home in that Cadillac, all I could say was, whew, I'm so glad <laughs> That wasn't out of the joint account. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it and it's important. So you guys, you have it out there in the open. You're openly communicating about this stuff, and you're not, you know, because what happens if you don't is one of the partners is going to secretly have their own stash of money, which I'm sure you see mm-hmm. in your work, and then you're portraying the other person's trust, and and that just leads down a, a road of, you know, that's going to probably eventually lead to divorce, depending on you know, how severe it is. Absolutely. I see, I see women doing this. I mean, there are times where a man can be very controlling, especially if the wife doesn't work, maybe he gives her, you know, it's so patronizing, but an allowance. I mean, I've seen all different models and I I know very well that these women go to uh, the grocery store and they get cash back on every purchase. That's how they, they just, you know, and it's, they just, they do it. They say it's how they survive. You know, I don't judge it. Um, yeah, it's, but it, that just shows me there's a problem in the marriage. Yeah. Yeah. It's this void. It's like a secret. It's like if you were a gambler or like you go to the strip club, there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. It, depending on your marriage. But if you're not telling your partner about these things, then that's, that's an area that, that you're not being true to the, to the relationship. Yeah. And uh, again, it's all about values. What do you value? What are your priorities for money? Um, you know, there I've, I've counseled couples where uh, one party wants to buy a house and they really can't afford to buy a house. In my opinion, they can't afford to buy it, but they're set on it. And then we, we look at why is the house so important to you? Why is renting so miserable for you? Let, let's really understand the emotions behind it. And I, I talked to one woman and she, her, the first thing she said about why she wanted a house is she just wants to be able to paint the walls the color she wants. <laughs> and I know that's sort of, that was, but that's the first thing that came to her mind. And that's where I thought she's not thinking of the home as an investment property or, or, or finance. It was an emotional thing to her. And that's something that she really needed to talk about with her spouse. Don't buy a house just to paint the walls. (laughs) 
No, but I mean, he needs to understand that she feels, he needs to understand what her motivation for the house is. Is there something she's missing? And does she, does it, it's all, you know, and I'm not a therapist, but obviously having her own house meant a lot more to her than how he and I were looking at it as just as terms of the rent versus the mortgage, the property tax, what's financially better. Right. Absolutely. Well, this is all great information. I've got a spousal IRA written down, 529 yep. college savings plan, and then uh, we're already on mint.com. So a lot of, lot of good stuff in there. And now we're going to jump forward and enter the lasting love round. What is one tool or practice our listeners can use on a daily basis to help improve their finances in the relationship? Hmm. I don't know. Every day, one tool. <laughs> uh, you know, I'll take this sort of indirectly. Um, I think it's just every day, forget about the money. I think it's every day showing respect and appreciation for your partner. Um, I know that, you know, when I take the time, I don't do it every day. I really should. But when I take the time to say to my husband, you know, thank you or give him a hug or just I really appreciate this or that boy, does that go a long way in the relationship. And let me tell you, when you're feeling much more intimate with your partner, then you can deal with the tough issues like money. It it all goes together. Yeah. Is there a book or resource you can recommend for listeners who want to improve the financial side of their relationship? Well, I'll do a shameless plug for my book. <laughs> Every woman should know her options. Uh, it's a book that uh, it's available on Amazon, but it's a book that you know, many men have read too, despite the woman in the title. And I just talk about my story about how, as I mentioned, I started with a sixteen hundred dollar inheritance when I was twenty four, and and the financial decisions I made throughout my life in terms of saving and spending and investing ended up leading to me to have a million dollar portfolio before I turned 40. And so it's a great primer for, for people to understand why um, living below your means and being smart about your money can really have wonderful benefits later, the delayed gratification. And it has, um, you know, it talks about the, the basics of investing, but then also some uh, investing strategies. So it's really good for somebody who really knows nothing about investing, uh, you know, the kind of person who has a 401k and has no idea what mutual funds to choose to somebody who actually does invest in the stock market. And um, I just think it's great for any any person of any age to read. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to reading that one. <laughs> um, every woman should know her options. Every woman should know her options. Awesome. We'll be sure to add that to your show notes page on our website at I Do Podcast so our listeners can check that out. Awesome. We've been married for almost two years now. Is there any advice you would give newlyweds? Oh, I was a newlywed not too long ago myself. That's a wonderful time. <laughs> um, I think... Um, Again, just being really transparent about the finances, not judging each other. We all have different values about money. And just treating your your young relationship, treating the part your partner with respect, appreciation, and honesty, and no judgment. And I think you're going to stay very happily married for a very long time. Is there any financial advice you would give our single listeners 
Oh, you have single listeners. All right. Yes. So single listeners uh, who are who are dating. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, very important. Uh, you know, money. They always say, you know, what's money when you have love? But you really have to do some financial sleuthing. I think when you are dating, um, you really want to know about this person's spending habits. You want to know if they're running up the credit card because. What they do as single adults is going to totally impact your marriage and raising children and everything. And so I think it's very important early on to understand what motivates your boyfriend or girlfriend with regard to money. What are their plans? I can't tell you how many men have said to me, I thought I was marrying somebody who was going to work, who was going to continue to work until I find out that she doesn't want to work. She wants me to take care of her. You've got to have these conversations while, while you're in the romance, while you're in the dating stage, because it doesn't get easier with marriage. As you know, it, everything gets harder with marriage. You've got to work at marriage. We're, marriage is so fulfilling. You can build a family together, but you have to work at it. So I want everyone to know who they are dating, who that person is, and what their values are. Well, Lori, we've really enjoyed hearing all the advice you've given us and our listeners. So let's wrap it up by having you tell our listeners where they can find you, and then we'll say goodbye. All right. Well, thank you for the opportunity to, to be on your program, Sarah and Chase. And the easiest way to find me is my website. It's uh, the, the URL is theoptionslady.com. That's the options, O-P-T-I-O-N-S, lady, L-A-D-Y. Dot com. You can um, you sign up for my newsletter. You can find out about my book and you uh, all my services in terms of investment manage and divorce financial analysis are there. Uh, I look forward to having people come over and visit the page. So thanks for this opportunity to be here. Our listeners can find all the information and links to today's episode on idopodcast.com. Go to the podcast tab and you'll be in the archives. And again, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. Hi, Sarah here. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so through Patreon, Amazon, or audible.com. All the links are on the bottom of our show notes page on idopodcast.com and in the description for this episode. Also, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe on iTunes. We appreciate it so much. Thanks. See the light.